What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking MMA. It's been a while since I said that. Uh, reason being is, you know, I listen to you guys. I listen to what you want to see, the stuff you'd rather hear. You know, I put out a poll, I think, a couple months back, and um, the large number of you guys want to see fighter interviews, and I, and I think that those are the things that I do enjoy most. Those are the things that well, I enjoy everything, but those are certainly things that I enjoy doing, and and seeing that you guys want to see that, I think it's smart to allocate my time to the things that you guys want to see. You know, I still do the pay-per-view breakdowns with uh, Sam from Yin Yang Monkey. That's a separate thing. The, uh, the interviews we just mentioned, that's a separate thing. But the Talking MMA podcast, you know, the numbered episodes, which I think we were at about like 17 or so before we sort of took a break on that. I'm not stopping on that. I'd like to make some changes before I bring it back. And this is sort of a, a bridge episode. This is an episode where I, I wanted to tell you guys that first and foremost. But while I'm here want to talk about some stuff. I'm going to get into that in a second. But as, as far as this podcast goes, I'm trying to bring in a very uh, credentialed guest that I could have at least once a week, uh, you know, to do this with me. Um, you know, I'm trying to make some changes, you know, maybe take some uh, some fan questions, fan calls, things along those lines. So I'm going to be working hard over the next month or so to make changes to Talking MMA, the, the numbered episodes only on this channel, not the whole channel, just the numbered episodes. I'm, so I'm going to be working to make changes in that department and, uh, yeah, just to make it better for you guys. So uh, I figured in the meantime, I'd give you a little episode here. And what we're going to talk about on this episode is, uh, you know, the usual stuff, man. We're just going to talk a little crap. We're going to sit back and enjoy this as MMA fans. We're probably going to get into UFC 280 a little bit, right? That's something I don't I don't think I've addressed yet on this channel. We're going to get into uh, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva, you know, get into that a little bit. Uh, and then maybe, you know, end it off with some MMA news, man. So let's get right into it, right? We have UFC 280. It was a card where, you know, if you saw the breakdown on my channel last week, um, it was, you know, maybe the card of the year, maybe the fight of the year, you know. Uh, Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. We got the guy who is the protege to Habib Nurmagomedov, that's Islam, right? Even his father said he was going to be champion one day. His father was always very high on him. And, uh, you know, it was something that I felt was inevitable. Charles Oliveira is an unbelievable fighter, and so is Islam Makachev. To me, the only difference in that fight was Charles has lost far more than Islam. Charles has been submitted Charles has been knocked out. Islam's been knocked out one time, you know, fair. But besides that, never been knocked out, never been submitted, never been finished, and never lost besides, again, that one fight, right? You know, Charles, no disrespect to him. I love Charles. He's an unbelievable fighter, one of the best lightweights of all time. He's been, he, all those things have happened to him. He's lost fights. He's been submitted. He's been knocked out. So I was thinking, I was looking at that fight and saying, well, I've never seen Islam go through the things that, would have to happen for him to lose to Oliveira, like a lot of people were saying, right? And that was really the only difference to me because when you look at his skill for skill in the octagon before the fight, obviously, I guess we could say differently now, right? It looks like Islam is just levels above everyone in the grappling, the wrestling, all that. But before the fight, I was like, these guys are as skilled as anybody. You know, I'm not giving it to anybody per se, but man, I mean, way to show out Islam Makachev finishing Oliveira in the second round. And tell you, man, the squeeze on that submission, that guy's got to have some squeeze. And I think I heard Daniel Cormier hint at it, that, it, that, you know, you train with him and you feel that guy's power, the squeeze he has, and it's just unbelievable. You know, these guys like him, Khabib, like, sure, there's a lot of 
you know, understanding of weight leverage and whatnot, right? That's what makes them great, right? All that, you know, just the understanding of getting a hold of somebody and taking them to the ground. They have maybe the best IQ on the planet in terms of that kind of stuff. But, you know, it might even go beyond that, right? Because it's like these guys are like superhumans, man. Like, right, Islam gets you in that that choke and, you know, Oliveira maybe within a few seconds. Like, it does, you know, we've seen fighters you know, get a choke locked in on them and they last a lot longer. And I'm not knocking Oliver. I'm saying that, you know, that's a testament to Islam. Dude probably had a tight squeeze in there. So just a scary guy. Um, I don't know who's going to stop him. You look at the 155-pound division, and I'll pull up the rankings right now. Let's let's just run through this and tell me who stops Islam Makachev. Tell me who beats him, okay? So we know Alexander Volkanovsky. He's going to fight him next, right? The 145-pound champion, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. You got him beating Islam. You got him stopping that style. Maybe if Islam has to deplete his body a bit more and go down to Volkanovski's weight class, to his wheelhouse where he's the king, maybe. But on top of the matchup that I don't like, we got Volk, we got uh, Islam You know, facing a guy who is a weight class below him on top of the fact that I don't like the matchup. So I don't know. I don't... Again, Volkanovski, I'd even say he's proven me wrong on this channel before, right? Because I was big on Holloway. I thought Holloway was going to win the trilogy. I thought Holloway had won the second fight. Volkanovski clearly proved me wrong. Unbelievable fighter. I think he's the greatest 145-pounder of all time. So similar to Oliveira, I will give Volkanovski his respect, but also say no disrespect in the fact that I do think Islam Makachev would beat him. Um, But yeah, I mean... You know, these are both great fighters. Is the, It's interesting because the number one pound-for-pound pound, uh, ranking might be on the line, right? That's what Volkanovski said, which I thought was very interesting. And if you're going to market this fight, that has got to be the way you market it, right? You got the number one pound-for-pound pound on the line versus the 155-pound title on the line. So both guys are putting something on the line here to a degree, right? Like, you know, a lot of times a challenger is just coming in and getting that title. Volkanovski's putting his crown of, I am the best pound-for-pound guy on the planet against Islam Makachev. So both guys got something to uh, lose here. Both guys have something that they are putting up here. So it's an interesting fight, man. But again, before I close out here on this main event, let's run through it. Oliveira just beat him. Poirier beat him. Gagey beat him. Benil Dariush. I mean, that's kind of like all, you know, all the Islam haters on Twitter. That's like their last glimmer of hope is uh, Benil Dariush, right? And hey, Benil Dariush is a very good fighter. Keeps proving people wrong, might I add, because a lot of times he's not favored to win these fights. You know, a lot of people didn't like him against Tony. A lot of people didn't like him against Gamrot. A lot of people, you know, not even a lot, not even that, but even before, you know, he was uh, being picked against in these fights, he faced adversity. He came back like a dog in a lot of these fights, right? So it's interesting. It's a guy who can certainly overcome the odds and overcome what people have to say, you know? And I think that would be an interesting fight. But do I see him beating Islam Makachev? I don't. Michael Chandler, do I see him beating Islam Makachev? I mean, Chandler didn't get past Oliveira. And I know MMA math doesn't make sense, but I mean, I think you're starting to see that there's levels to this, right? There might be tiers here. Like Islam might be on a tier on his own. Then you might have Oliveira. Then you, you know, but if you can't get past Oliveira, I mean, you know, or Gagey for that matter, like you got to beat one of those guys. You know, you got to get back in there. One of those guys prove me wrong there. And then, you know, I'd love to see what he could do. But, you know, that's just me saying what I'm saying, talking shit. I mean, Michael Chandler's an unbelievable fighter. So, 
respect where it's due. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think to say that Chandler gets a title shot after he beats Poirier, I mean, it's interesting because you're probably going to have to fight again for one of two reasons. One, perhaps the UFC might not think you've done enough in their eyes, given that you've lost twice as well. Number two, we know Volkanovski's fighting Makachev, so there's going to be a bit of a waiting period. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing plays out. Um, let's move on to that uh, co-main event, though. But yeah, man, the lightweight division is interesting, but it seems like there's a guy that's deadlock at the top now that might not relinquish his spot anytime soon. Or I just don't see who beats him anytime soon, you know? Um, but I could be wrong, right? I'm no expert here. Only time will tell. The next fight is Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Oh, man. Ah. I feel bad for Aljo in a way because I don't think he's a bad guy at all. I think he's actually a very nice guy. I think he's a very knowledgeable guy, right? If you follow his YouTube channel, he's got a great breakdown. So shout out to you, Aljamain Sterling. But uh, TJ Dillashaw, you know, he wasn't right for that fight. Like, it just is what it is. Which leads me to say again, I feel bad for Aljamain Sterling because if you look at the three title fights of his career, the first one where he won the title against Piotr Jan, he won by DQ in a fight that Jan was looking like he was running away with. But again, who knows, right? Like he could have, you know, Aljamain could have gotten him later on. But whatever. Let's just say up to that point, Jan was having his way with him, gets a DQ, and Aljamain wins a fight. A lot of people aren't happy with that. Second fight. Aljamain wins the fight, but a lot of people don't even think he won the fight. Dana Dana White came out in his in the post fight press conference. You know, the president of the promotion came out and said, "I had Jan winning the fight," and that upset Aljamain. I remember he spoke out about that, and uh, you know, maybe he was surprised by that, angry, whatever the case may be. But it was an interesting thing going on. And now this third freaking fight, TJ's arm or his shoulder rather pops out in the first round, and it's freaking dangling like a. I don't know what dangles, but his arm's out there dangling, right? He somehow makes it to the second round, so he gets back to his corner. They pop the arm back in. They check it out. Everything's okay, ready to go. Arm pops out again, and quite easily, I might add. But, um, yeah, you know, Sterling starts ground and pounding him. TJ's pretty much defenseless, can't do anything, right? It's kind of like a one-legged uh, or like a, a tiger with a bum leg, right? Eventually, it's going to die, right? So it's like... You know, TJ's a, a down man. You know, he doesn't have a shoulder. He's out there. He's fucked pretty much. And uh, Aljo gets a Sterling, but Aljo gets the finish rather by a uh, ground and pound. And uh, yeah, that that's the thing though, right? Is now people are saying, oh, well, you got lucky. You know, TJ's arm popped out. We never would have known what was going to happen. But that's just it, right? You can't blame the guy because we never would have known what was going to happen. And what we saw, Aljo was doing his job, right? He was beating up a compromised fighter, but that's what you're supposed to do, right? You see the fighters compromise, and that he was doing his job 100%, you know? And you go in there, man, and it, it's pretty much a professional street fight, right? With, like, a couple rules. There's not many rules, but there's some rules, right? Well, you can't bite a motherfucker's face off but and other things, right? But it's pretty much... A fight. It's a fight. And, it, you know, if this was a street fight and TJ's arm popped out of his socket, I mean, Al Jermaine's going to kill him, right? So, you know, it's a fight. And these things happen in fights. So, yeah, you know, bad luck. I would say bad luck to both guys because Al Jermaine Sterling has yet to get that one dominating win where you're like, yep, there you go. That's the champ. Stop disrespecting him. And, I, you know, again, I, I feel for him. 
Uh, and then TJ, it's like, I just found out recently, you know, through the news, TJ is going to be out for about a year. I mean, what? He's going to be out for a year? How old is he? What is he, like 36? TJ's like 36, right? How the UFC website doesn't have his age is beyond me. The guy's like 36 years old. And we're talking about what, he's going to come back at 37, 38 from this? You know, rehab, all this stuff. It's tough. He's not going to get a title shot, obviously. And, um, you know... What's gonna happen then? You know, are you gonna are you gonna beat another one or two top contenders at age 37, 38 and get back in there? Very possible, you know. We see fighters fighting into their 40s. TJ certainly seems like he has the um the nutritional aspect locked in. But uh yeah, we'll see what happens with that. It's gonna be interesting. Sorry, I'm kind of uh going through a little bit of a migraine here, so I'm kind of trying to uh Kind of trying to fight through it here. Slight migraine, but uh, we'll be all right. Manageable. But yeah, man, it, it was an interesting fight. No matter how you slice it, but the result was just kind of sad. A lot of people are mad at TJ because um, it almost feels like, well, TJ fucking said it himself, right? TJ said, I feel like I held up the division. And if that's the case, then why'd you fight, I guess, right? But, you know, again, when it, is he going to get that chance again, though? Is he guaranteed a title shot if he goes and gets surgery and waits out? You're not. You know, I bet Dana didn't appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of the fans out there didn't appreciate that. But, I mean, if you look at it from his perspective, you know, you're not guaranteed a title shot, right? I don't know, man. Like, either way, there's no guarantee. You know what I mean? Either way, there's no guarantee you're going to get a title shot after that surgery, regardless of whether you fought Aljo or not. But he did. Took the risk. And... You know, I don't know what they were thinking in there, you know. the But if you said the shoulder popped out damn near 20 times in camp, then I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be either one. Um, but, man, what a sport, huh? Let's move on, man. Let's talk about a couple more fights here before we uh, move on to the next agenda. Let's go into Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley, man. Oh, man, that was a good fight. I think anybody that saw that fight knows that we got to at least respect Sean O'Malley in the sense that he can he is a guy who belongs in the top five of the division. Like, no freaking doubt about it. He belongs in the top five of that division. Um, he's as good as any guy on any given day. Do I think Piotr Jan won the fight? I'm going to be a 1,000% honest with you. I don't know because I've only seen the fight one time. I'm gonna, I would have to really go back and watch it in depth. I'm going to take all the smarter people... You know, all the analysts, I'm going to take their word that, you know, the people that said that Piotr Jan won, I'm going to take their word on that, and I'll probably bank on that. And, you know, based on kind of what I saw in that fight, sure, I'll say Jan won. And, you know, you got Khabib and guys like that outraged. But, again, I'd have to go back and watch it. What did I see in that fight, though? Again, Sean O'Malley can hang. But I'm going to say this, though. I will say this. I'm not outraged that he won the fight. Like, do I, am I crazy for thinking that wasn't a robbery? But then again, it's like, a what What do you define as a robbery? Because then we're just going into things like that, right? Like, what's your true definition of a robbery? 
like John Jones, Dominic Reyes, and I love John Jones. That might be my favorite fighter on the planet. But that might have been a robbery. You know what I mean? Other fights, um, again, I brought it up earlier. Volkanovski, Holloway, too. Love both guys. But that might have been a robbery. You know, like I thought Max won it. Volk won the trilogy, so it doesn't even matter. But I thought Max won this. You know, like I think those are robberies. Was this a robbery, per se? I think it's two criterias that you have to look into account here. What's your definition of a robbery? And the second criteria in terms of just who won the fight, <coughs> what do you rank the wrestling? Like, how do you how do you view the wrestling? Like, wh- what do you think is the impact? Because he, he wasn't necessarily, sub- like, threading him with submissions and ground and pounding him continuously. You know, he did get some pepper and with some good shots here and there on the ground, but it was mostly just to control him on the ground. Like, he wasn't really damaging him. And maybe I saw otherwise, but... I thought O'Malley did more damage in the fight. We're talking about moments where, in terms of who was more hurt at certain moments in time, who had more of those moments where he got their opponent hurt. I thought O'Malley had more of those moments, but, man, interesting. And then we got Benil Darius versus Gamrot. Gamrot was a minus 210 favorite in this fight, which is... Interesting, again, because Benil Dariush, a lot of fights where it doesn't seem like he comes in as the favorite. He just keeps proving people wrong. Where is he? I mean, I know we were just looking at the rankings, but I think he, what is he, around five still? Did he even move up from this fight? Because he fought number nine, and and Gamrot's a beast, but do they reward you for fighting number nine? Like, let's see. Okay, sure. Yeah, he moved up two spots. I thought Benil Darius was in the top five already prior to this pay-per-view. Or at least he should have been, no? But then again, I don't know. We're talking about a killer division. But yeah, Benil Darius moved up two slots. Where's Gamrot? Gamrot moved up a slot off a loss. That's interesting, huh? It's crazy how Conor McGregor is still in the fucking rankings at 155 pounds, man. Conor McGregor is number 13. And it might be the toughest division in the entire sport. And he's still in the fucking rankings. Crazy. But yeah, a good victory for Benil Dariush. Um, It was a pretty close fight, right? Yeah, it was a close fight. He won a unanimous decision, but it was a... Maybe not close, but it was a damn sure... Damn sure it was a competitive fight. So, that's good, man. Uh, Let's talk about a couple other fights here before we wrap up. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady was another one. I don't know how that wasn't on the main card. I guess they just wanted to add a little diversity with the uh, women's fights. So they threw in Kaylin Chikagian and uh, Furo there, which is fine. I don't got no problem with that. You know, you, you also sort of need a, a nice headliner for the uh, free card, the ESPN card. So Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady, man, it was, you know, it was a fun fight. It was a fun fight. <laughs> was it was that what I, you know, was it what I expected? No. No, I got to be honest with you. I thought Sean Brady was going to win. And I thought Sean Brady was going to be able to impose his game plan, get the fight to the ground, and do what he usually does. Um, But I knew that Bilal, going into the fight, was very good on the ground. A lot of times he uses his wrestling when he has to. And, he, you know, he'll he'll control and dominate guys. And it looks very impressive in that department. But, again, it's also the addition of we know what he can do on the feet. 
proven to be a very good stand-up striker, man. <clears throat> Starting to put guys away. You know, he beat Wonderboy Thompson. He was able to stand with a guy like that, too. He's able to knock out uh, Sean Brady. You know, it was very impressive. And here's the thing about uh, Bilal Muhammad is the guy is so disrespected, and I have no <laughs> clue why. Like, why do, pe why do you guys hate Bilal Muhammad? I, I don't know why. Like, what did he do to you? Like, it, it's funny because there's two people, right, that you, you see, like, especially on social media particularly, that are not liked. There's two people, and that's Bilal Muhammad and that is fucking uh, Islam Makachev. Like, what did they do to you guys that you hate them so much? Like, they're just winning fights. They're doing what they have to do. Like, I'm seeing people on Twitter say, you know, they'll put up a picture of Benil Dariush and, like, Alexander Volkanovsky, and they'll say, like, these are our last hopes to beat uh, Islam. And I'm like, what do you mean your last hope? Like, what did he do to you that it has to resort to being the last hope for people to beat this guy? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's so silly, but it's so, like, funny at the same time. I don't know why, man. Fucking just Twitter and social media. It's uh it could be a crazy world, but it's also kind of a strange world. But back to Bilal, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. Where's the disconnect? Cause even as I try to think now, like I don't know what's the disconnect. Like, is he corny? <clears throat> I don't think he's corny. Or am I wrong on that? Like, is he corny? He's a great fighter. Like, I don't know. Are you mad that he got eye-poked by Leon Edwards? No, right? The guy was freaking crying in the corner after it happened because he didn't want the fight to be stopped because he knew this might have this was a big opportunity. He was fighting, like, the number two or number one guy in the world. He knew he just messed up the opportunity. Like, does that look like a guy who uh, didn't want to be in there? But I don't even think that's that relevant. But I'm trying to find stuff. I'm trying to find stuff, and I can't find anything. Like, why do you guys hate Bilal Muhammad? I don't know. But I'm shocked. I thought Sean Brady was going to win the fight. Um, Sean Brady was a favorite, minus 140. But it was close odds. It was kind of like a pick em fight. But, man, good fight. Um, and what does that do for him? Because I know he was like five, and he fought eight. So similar to Benil. What do they do? Did they reward him for fighting a guy ranked below him? Let's see. So Bilal moved up from five to four. He passed Gilbert Burns. I think that's fair. I think that's accurate. So Bilal's sitting at four. And where's Sean Brady? Sean Brady didn't move. He's at eight. So they didn't really kill Sean Brady, per se, the first loss of his MMA career. But it's still shocking because, again, he was also undefeated. So it's kind of interesting. It was just a fun night all around. And then one more guy I'll talk about is uh, it's my boy Sam's uh, guy right here, Mohamed Mukayev. Wow. You talk about a guy who is talented. You talk about a guy who could take the fight to the ground when he wants and dominate you. You talk about a guy who can wow you in the stand-up. A guy who pretty much has everything. That's the guy right there. He's a young man, right, from the UK. Um, but he's, you know, the guy is looking to be champion. He's looking to be the youngest UFC champion ever he's looking to surpass john jones i think he even put like the timeline like how much longer he has to do it and everything on his social media i fucking love it the guy was a minus 1150 favorite that's got to be by far the biggest favorite on the card but guess what he took care of business there was some moments in the fight where i thought he got a little overzealous where he knew he had it so much in the bag that he was 
maybe not being cocky, but he was just doing things he didn't have to do. You know, extra showing, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna, I would never accuse a fighter of showing off because they're more man than I'll ever be. But <laughs> what a beast. What a fucking beast that guy is, man. What a beast. So, you know, all in all, you look at UFC 280, and of course, there's two aspects to every big pay-per-view, right? You look at the fight on paper beforehand, of course. You look at it and you say, oh, wow, look at these fights. They're great fights, yada, 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 stack card. And then you got to look at the fight afterwards. You know, you got to look back on it and say, well, how did it play out, right? Was there a lot of knockouts? Was there robberies? You know, going into it on paper, it was for sure the most stacked card of the year, and maybe the most stacked card in a few years. I really have to go back and check that, but it was the most stacked UFC card since that I can remember recently, right? At least the past year or two. Afterwards, no. Is it the best UFC card ever? No. In terms of how it played out, again, no. Absolutely not. Like, you know, you got like, remember the fight night where um, I think it was all finishes? It was literally a finish in every single fight. It was like the second time it ever happened or something along those lines. Those are cars where they play out beautifully after. That's a whole different category, though. I personally, out of the two, think you have to judge a card by what's on paper. Because, you know, how it plays out, whatever the case may be, fine. Now, you can get two guys in there that nobody knows, and it could be the best fight ever. But... What gets people excited is the build, right? And the build is when you get two guys that should be in there with each other, two big guys. That's more exciting. Um, and I think that's what you have to judge a card by. You got to judge a card by how it's put together by the matchmakers, man, on paper. You got to judge a card by the card, right? So <laughs> let's get into another event that is coming up this weekend. We're actually going to talk about two events this weekend. I think you'll probably guess what those are going to be. And I want to talk about maybe just the main event here. Because um, I think it's a very good fight in the 145-pound division. Um, it's a UFC fight night, of course. What number is it? I do not know. It's weird because sometimes they'll like number the, the fight nights. And then they won't number it. And then it's like eight packs. And they go on the road. I wish they just numbered all of them like the same. It was a 62, 63, 64, but no, it's like UFC San Diego, UFC Apex, UFC 63, UFC Las Vegas, UFC 63, UFC 64, UFC Apex, UFC Michigan. You know what I'm saying? It's so fucking weird, but uh, whatever, man. I ain't going to complain. We love this shit. Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. That is the fight that I am talking about. As you could have guessed, that's a big time fight. Arnold Allen, how many fights has that guy won in a row? Like fucking eight or nine? The guy's on a crazy win streak. Calvin Cater had a great fight against Jeremy uh, against um, Josh Emmett the last time around. Um, a lot of people had, uh, you know, a lot of people had him winning. I saw that fight. I thought it was a fight where it could have gone either way. I was happy with either decision. It was like, remember Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker? Like, I was cool with whoever won that fight. You know, there's certain fights where... Shit, if they have to be a draw, they have to be a draw. But if they're not, then I'm, you know, you're cool with whatever way it goes. Um, Arnold Allen, the last fight, again, no disrespect to Hooker, kind of dismantled him. Um, you know, put a beating on him pretty bad. Um, swung for the fences early and then just got the finish. Like the dude was swinging. Like once he had his opportunity, 
He didn't open the door. He fucking kicked it down and got the finish in the last fight, Arnold Allen. Cerebral when he has to be. Patient when he has to be. A very well-rounded fighter. Calvin Cater is as tough as they come. Remember in that Max Holloway fight, what that guy was able to endure? Such a tough guy. Um, good luck stopping him. Good luck putting his lights out. Um, as skilled as they come. Great stand-up, man. You know... I'm expecting a great fight. I think Arnold Allen's gotten some finishes here and there lately, but I, I think this is going to be a tough fight. I think this is going to be his biggest test yet. This is the biggest test of Arnold Allen's career. Maybe not by far, but it certainly is. And I think it's going to go five rounds. I see two tough guys, two game guys, two guys that bring the fight. And, yeah, I just see a very good, well-rounded, hard-fought five-round main event here. In the uh, UFC Apex, man. It's going to be a fun one. If you look at the rankings in terms of the implications it has on the division, because that's always what you want to look at, right? Calvin Cater's number five. Arnold Allen's number six. This is a big fight because of the chance for Arnold Allen to crack into that top five finally. Hell, you would have thought he was with all the wins he's had recently. But nonetheless, number six versus number five. Huge fight. This is a fight that's going to say who either... Calvin Cater, you stay in the top five, or Arnold Allen, you get into the top five. And you know when you're in the top five, you're always in the ballpark for a title shot. Six and five might be thousands of miles away. Like six and seven could be almost the same thing in the rankings, but maybe the six, the difference between, you ever thought about that? The difference between number five and six might be fucking thousands of miles away. Because think about it, what, like, what, what do you see, like, number six guys get title shots? And maybe it happens a lot more than I'm leading on, but I feel like once you're in that top five, boom, it could be any one of those five guys. Get a good win here. Get two good wins here. You're in the ballpark. And that is what is on the line here. If Arnold Allen gets the win here, maybe one more. Maybe a number one contender fight just because Cater's coming off the loss to Emmett. You know, if Cater was coming off the win against Emmett, then maybe it's different. But maybe he fights Emmett for a number one contender fight. I wouldn't mind that. <clears throat> maybe he gets in there and tests himself against Max freaking Holloway. Imagine Max Holloway against Arnold Allen. And then for Calvin Cater. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Josh Emmett rematch. Who wouldn't mind seeing a Josh Emmett rematch if he wins? Brian Ortega versus Calvin Cater. You like that? Yair Rodriguez versus Calvin Cater. You like that? A lot of fun fights, man, in this division. A lot of fun fights. You know, it's a big uh, main event with big implications. A lot, you know, sometimes on these uh, UFC fight nights, you get great main events. You get good ones. You get uh, decent ones. This one, I'd say, is at the very top of that list because it's number five versus number six, man, in one of the better weight classes. Look, you even got Tim Means versus Max Griffin. Um, I feel for Max Griffin. I thought he won the last fight against, uh, who was it against? Magny? I think it was against Magny. And I even made a video on that months back. Would love to talk to him about that, man. Maybe I can get him on. But, uh, you know, sometime on after these fights, obviously it's a little too late now to get him on this week, considering the fight's in like two days, but whatever. He fights Tim Means. He is a minus, uh, minus 190 favorite. It's going to be a fun fight, man. Waldo Cortez versus Vandera, very good fight. Two big boys. Phil Hawes versus Roman Dalzi. Chase Hooper's back. 
Carlos Moda makes his UFC debut, the LFA champion. The guy is a freaking stud. And, uh, man, if there's a guy to watch out for, could be him, man. He could be a guy who makes some noise in the, the flyweight division, you know, a division that's certainly on the come up. He's a plus 150 underdog, but very close odds. What a fun card, man, for a fight night. What a fun card. I think if you're a fan, you got to tune into that, man. There's some can't-miss fights. But it uh, should be a good event. All right, so let's let's talk about another event that's happening this weekend. I, I don't know if it's Saturday or Sunday. It's probably Saturday. Yeah, it's Saturday. We got Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva in a boxing match. This is a very interesting fight. And the reason I specify in a boxing match is because you would think this fucking fight is a UFC match or an MMA bout because of how much they talk about MMA. So, I mean, just to start, did you see the press conference last night or yesterday? Literally 70% talk about MMA slash UFC. Like 70% of it. It is insane. How Jake Paul takes all these opponents, and you know, well, the opponents are MMA guys. It's just insane, man. It's insane. And, you know, credit to him, though. He was going to box Tommy Fury. The fight fell through. Credit to, Haseem Rock, to him. He was going to fight Haseem Rahman Jr. The fight fell through. But shit, man, I thought the Silva fight was going to fall through, too. And it would have been three fights in a row falling through. Which leads me to say, like, is, is there something a little fishy going on here that this guy is fighting these guys where these fights fall through. He's actually supposed to fight two real boxers. Fights fall through. Oh, he's back to the MMA guy. No, this fight's good to go. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've never been to that party of all these guys took a dive against him. No, like give the kid his props. He beat Woodley. He beat Askren. But it's weird. There's some fishy stuff going on. Like the whole Haseem Rockman Jr. versus Jake Paul thing with the whole weight miss and they didn't sell enough tickets for MSG. There's something very strange happening there. And, uh... Let's just see what reveals itself down the line, or if anything even does reveal itself. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But back to the fight, you look at it, right? And it says it here, pro records here in boxing. Uh, 3-1, it says here, on topology for Anderson Silva. What's the boxing loss that Silva had? Because it wasn't recently, right? It wasn't post-UFC. It's got to be like maybe early in his career or something like that. Jake Paul, 5-0. and You might as well have fought mop buckets except for like Tyron Woodley. In boxing, because Ben Askren is a great mixed martial artist. The betting odds are damn near even. Jake Paul is a slight favorite. It's minus 125, minus 105. So Jake is the minus 125, Silva the minus 105. And the reason why I think they're so even is because there's always such an unknown in Jake Paul fights. Because he's fighting better guys each and every time. So you don't really know where he's going to be each time he's fighting that better guy. So... It's so hard to even gauge. Like, the kid's fought five guys. If you're looking at real fights, he's had he's had three real fights. I'll give him three. It's hard to even give him three because, I mean, come on, dude. If you look at Askren in the fight, what's the Misfits boxing thing that KSI does, right? 70% of that card would have beat Ben Askren, who was with a bad hip, out of shape, and fucking retired. And was never a boxer to begin with. The guy was shamed for striking in MMA. Like, he took the fight to the ground. He didn't even entertain the stand-up. So, 
Hard to even count that, but whatever. Let's say the guy's been in three fights in his career because Woodley's still a tough guy, and he's a former UFC champion, but he's not a boxer again. This is his toughest fight ever. I mean, I don't think you could say that it's not. It's definitely his toughest fight ever. Anderson is quicker than any guy he's fought in there. Anderson has a, has a far, far, it is not even close. Anderson Silva has a far, far higher fight IQ than any guy Jake's ever fought by a gazillion miles, even Tyron Woodley. He's longer than any guy he's fought. He's rangier. He's a better counter puncher. You know, uh, does Woodley punch harder than Silva now at this phase in his career? You know, perhaps. But just in every way you look at this fight, this is the toughest fight of his career, and it's not even close. A lot of people look at the age 47. Is that something sure it is but i think to be fair to jake paul let's not overstate the age because it was this 46 47 year old guy that literally starts tito ortiz with one punch which tito's never been you know known to be a boxer but okay it was this 36 37 year old guy that beat um fucking guy's name's leaving me now Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. beat that guy, that 36, 37-year-old, you know? So, I mean, you tell me what he is, but, you know, the guy's still good, or 46, 47-year-old, not 36, 37-year-old. But, again, the guy's still good. Like, he still did that at this age, sort of, you know? So, if that guy shows up to fight Jake Paul, what's going to happen? Now, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., I keep bringing that up, but... Man, I mean, is that not an impressive win? Who the hell would have thought Anderson Silva would have beat him in a boxing match? The guy's won a couple world titles, if I'm not mistaken. The guy at one point was good enough to be a contender to fight Canelo. He fought Canelo Alvarez, got his ass beat, sure. But he was considered good enough to challenge Canelo at the time. Like, he was the next guy. This was his, I remember watching the fight. It was a big mega fight. It was a big pay-per-view. Chavez Jr., the son of the great Julio Chavez, fighting Canelo Alvarez, maybe the best fighter in the world at the time. You know, it was a huge fight. He was in that fight. Like, that's a guy he fought. A guy, he fought that guy, so, and he beat him, so, you gotta give him props where it's due, it almost feels like Anderson has the, you know, the height and the reach in every aspect, no, so the reach is 77 and a half inches for Anderson, 74 for Jake, and then Jake's 6'1", Anderson is 6'2", so yeah, I mean, you know, Anderson definitely has the, if you look at the, uh, the measurables, Anderson's got that as well. What a tough fight. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Just I haven't even thought about it, but I guess just for fun, I'll tell you who I got winning. I think Anderson Silva is going to get it done. Now, I'm not, now, this isn't me being the pro MMA guy, like, oh, look, he's shitting on Jake Paul. No. Listen, if I have to say Jake Paul is going to win the fight, I will admit it. I just don't think he's going to win this time. I think he'll put up a decent showing, but I don't think he's going to win. I don't. I picked Tyron Woodley to uh, lose to Jake Paul. I picked Jake to win that fight. I think both times even. Even in the Askren fight, I think I picked Jake Paul to win. So I picked him to win like the last three fights. Again, again, like the last three fights against MMA guys. So I am not hating here. I just think Anderson Silva's, the fight IQ, like the muscle memory of punching and not getting punched, that's something you develop from such a young age. And I know Anderson hasn't been doing 
purely boxing throughout his career, but he's just so good. He has such a, a high fight IQ. Again, we just brought that up. Such a high fight IQ that I think he will outscore him over the course of, what is it, 10 rounds? Eight rounds? Probably like eight rounds, right? Maybe 10. I would probably think it's like around eight. But yeah, I'm going to pick Anderson Silva here. Um, I don't think he's going to knock him out. I think you'll see a fight similar. I think Prime Anderson would starch him. But I think you see a fight here similar maybe to the Woodley one fight. where I don't mean similar just overall. I just mean in the aspect of a pretty good back and forth fight that goes the full distance, you know? So we'll say that. Um, but one thing I want to talk about here, man, as we move on to the last thing is this. That bet. Let's talk about that bet that Jake Paul proposed to Anderson Silva. If Anderson Silva beats Jake Paul, he will fight Jake Paul in a kickboxing match. If Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva, Anderson and Jake become like the, I guess, like the the co-guys to this new fighters union thing, you know? That's what Jake Paul wants to do. That's what he's claimed to have wanted to do for a couple of years now, right? And this this is like the big proposition to Anderson. You join me. You come with me side by side, and we will tackle this fighter pay issue. That's the proposition here. So again, Jake wins. Anderson joins him in the whole fighter union, fighter pay stuff. Anderson becomes his guy side by side pretty much. Jake wins a fight. Anderson and Jake fight in a kickboxing match. So let me let's talk about that now. Let's let that actually sink in and let's let's analyze it. If Anderson Silva wins, who the fuck is going to want to see Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul in a kickboxing match? If Jake Paul cannot beat Anderson Silva in a boxing match, he's going to beat Anderson Silva when he can use his legs? And I'm supposed to be interested in that bet. Why? Let's say the other thing happens. Jake Paul's been talking about this shit for a long time and nothing's happened. He's not the first person to bring this stuff up either in the sport and nothing has happened. So am I also supposed to believe that the other uh, side of the bet works? I don't know, man. But that, again, like is nobody thinking about that? (laughs) If Anderson beats Jake, why would you want to see them in a kickboxing match for no other reason than to see Jake get his jaw broken? That's it. Other than that, why would you want to see them in a kickboxing match? Anderson Silva is at his best in MMA. He might not be fully at his best against Jake Paul in kickboxing, but he could do a lot more now. And then in boxing, he's at his most limited. Why Why would you want to fight him in a kickboxing match? Somebody please explain that to me. Please put it into terms for me so that I could be excited about a bet like that because I don't see what there is to be excited about that logistically. Like, what what sense does that make? I don't know. And let's talk about another thing too, man. Um, KSI, uh, yeah, I have nothing against you, and I'm damn sure not a Jake Paul fan, but yeah, Jake Paul, I will say it again, will beat your ass if you guys fight each other. You know... The guy talks a lot of crap. He's like, oh, he's fighting Anderson Silva. Jake's going to win this, that, and the other. Like, bro, you make it seem so easy. So you can beat him, but Anderson Silva can't beat him, right? Like, 
Anderson Silva, bro, would probably beat the shit out of you right now, KSI, at 47 years old. You fought that guy, that kid Pineda. That was fucking embarrassing. That makes me question who gives these titles of professional boxer. And then you fought an out-of-shape rapper in the first fight, and we expect to take you fucking serious? I don't like Jake Paul, but Jake Paul's fought UFC fighters. Guys that have been in there have won world championships. Guys that are real tough fighters. Tyron Woodley's not a boxer. Not a boxer. Tyron Woodley would fucking obliterate the Pineda kid that KSI fought. Obliterate him. That kid was terrible. I don't know what KSI is. I don't know what power KSI thinks he has, what leverage he thinks he has, because I'll tell you this again. I don't hate KSI. I don't even watch him. I don't even like Jake Paul. I'm just telling you guys the fucking truth. And KSI fans, you guys got to stop. Because number one, you don't even watch the fucking sport, boxing or MMA, and you're crossing over from watching his fucking FIFA streams, and now you're starting to give valid opinions about, oh, yeah, he beats Jake Paul, he knocks him out. Are you saying that because you're a fan, or are you saying that because you like his fucking YouTube streams and his videos? Which one is it? And I'm not an MMA expert. I don't claim to be. At least I fucking watch, though. You guys are just coming in here from fucking left and right saying, oh, KSI is going to do this, that, and the other. Have you ever even seen a fucking fight in your life? Mortal Kombat does not count. So KSI fans, I'm not going to say nothing bad, but just be realistic here. That's all I'm going to say. KSI fans, be realistic with where your guy's at. And maybe, just maybe, that will make him realize where he's at. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Don't kill me. Let's move on, man. Let's uh, close this shit out with some MMA news. It's feeling so nostalgic, man. It's feeling like uh, the old days of talking MMA, the pre-fighter interview days, the lonelier days. But you guys have stuck with us, and uh, we're here, man. So whoever's here, whoever's watching, I appreciate you. Let's get into this news as we wrap up the show. Paul Jorge Masvidal. On borderline vegetable, Nate Diaz's UFC exit. What's this? Good for him to leave before he gets serious brain damage. That's good for him to leave the big leagues before he gets serious brain damage. Masvidal recently told MMA Fighting following his promotion, his promotions event. I think the guy's a borderline vegetable. His interviews, his spunkness, his wittiness and sharpness has gone to shit. You have to wait for him. The pauses have gotten longer. Yeah, I mean, I'm the I'm the biggest Nate and Nick Diaz fans, but I've been saying this for years, like, especially uh, Nick. I have no desire to see Nick fight. I have no desire to see Nick Diaz fight. If you see him speak in just any form of conversation, whether it's casually, whether it's in an interview, whatever the case may be, does he look like a guy that has never been punched before? Or do you look at a guy who's been punched a lot and might be starting to take the effects of it? Now, don't tell me that's the way that they talk because I remember Nick and Nate years ago and they didn't talk like that. They spoke a lot more fluently. So don't tell me it's this uh, Stockton accent because it's not. It's not that. Now, I bring up Nick more than Nate because I don't think Nate got it as bad. But, like, I wonder. And I, I don't know. Like, I think Nate could still fight, yes. I think, and I think he should still fight because that's what he loves to do. And I love Nate Diaz, and I he's a trillion 
times a man I will ever fucking be for being able to step into the, the ring, the octagon, whatever he does next and whatever he's done in the past. But the fact of the matter is, like, you just look at the guy and it's like, you know, it, he kind of does struggle with sentences. But, you know, a lot of that could also be Jorge Masvidal might be a little salty, you know. Um, interesting, right? It's uh, it's interesting. These guys fought a long time ago and, uh, you know, maybe things haven't gone the best for them. But I wish those guys the best, man. As a fan, I really do. I wish those guys nothing but the best in their future. UFC Vegas 63 weigh-in results. Calvin Cater, Arnold Allen on point for main event. One fighter misses big. Okay, so I'm happy that the main event is good to go. Who is the fighter that missed weight big this morning? While 21 of the 22 fighters were on the mark, the card's opening bout became a catchweight newcomer. Joshua Weems taking the fight on short notice to replace Garrett Armfield. Ooh. Weighed in at 139.5 for his Bantamweight fight with Christian Rodriguez. And especially if you're a newcomer, again, no disrespect, but like, that's like the worst thing you could do. That might even be worse than, than uh, like losing a good fight or just losing any fight, right? Like not making weight because, you know, you're kind of screwing yourself there, but... That really pisses Dane off. That really pisses the UFC off. Really pisses matchmakers off because then they they start to wonder as to whether if you can make the weight or not. Arizona clears Anderson Silva to box Jake Paul after submitting pristine MRI. So yeah, um, remember I just brought up the fact that it was a little fishy that all of Jake Paul's fights were in... Um, you know, have been canceled, and even this third one was now was in danger of, uh, were in jeopardy of being canceled, right? So it looks like the fight's going to happen, thank God, because, again, how fishy would it have been if this guy's third fight gets canceled? I mean, that would have been so fucking weird. So former UFC champion Anderson Silva was cleared to box Jake Paul on Thursday by the Arizona Boxing Commission after a special meeting was convened to decide whether he was off to compete and this is all from mmafighting.com again the commission did not vote on the 47 year old silva's license to box paul on saturday at desert diamond arena in glendale arizona because that had already previously been granted instead the agency met to address additional medical documentation submitted by the ex-ufc champion and weigh public statements he'd made about his training namely a pair of knockouts he said he suffered in a video shoot one month prior. Yeah, so Anderson Silva said he'd been knocked out twice in training. Well, he didn't say it. People thought he said it, but there was a miscommunication. He was joking, something along those lines. So do I believe that 100%? No, I don't. I'm going to be real with you. I don't I don't believe that, that, he's, that he didn't get knocked out. Like, why? I mean, what is he going to say? Yeah, I did get knocked out. Yeah, now the fight's going to be off. Now I'm not going to get a payday. Now I'm not going to knock this kid out that everyone wants me to knock out. No, he's not going to say that. So... Man, I don't know. But if the guy had a good MRI, I mean, I don't know how, you know, how accurate are these MRI uh, tests, you know? Do they know if you've been knocked out twice within a month? Probably, again, but I'm just not a doctor, so I have no clue, and I don't even want to say anything that would be wrong, so I don't know. Jake Paul and Anderson Silva make bet fighters union or kickboxing rematch. <laughs> again, that's... 
I don't know, man. Like, do you really want to see Anderson Silva and Jake Paul in a kickboxing match? You want to see Anderson Silva less, less, or you want to see Anderson Silva more in his wheelhouse than this fight, even more? You want to see Anderson Silva less restrained than in this fight? Put him in a kickboxing match with Jake and one leg kick and he's fucking done. One kick to the body, he's done. That's it. Morning report, um, Israel Adesanya wants to see Jake Paul shake up the world with Anderson Silva win. So Israel Adesanya is rooting for Jake Paul. I'm going to be honest, he's a tough fight, but I said this to you at your house after your Nate Robinson fight. Oh, I think he's talking to Jake here. So Nate, so uh, Israel Adesanya tells Jake, I'm going to be honest, he's a tough fight, but I said this to you at your house after your Nate Robinson fight, and I was like, man... You're a crazy motherfucker. Okay, so this was on Jake's podcast. He told him, and I still maintain that you're a crazy motherfucker. So you even getting this fight happening, it's something that is going to go down in history. You can get it done. Silva can be beat. This is boxing as well. It's not MMA. He is getting older, and I don't really think that plays a factor, as everyone is saying. Don't fucking believe the hype just because he's 42 or whatever. He's 47. (laughs) He's a different kind of 42-year-old. He's 47, (laughs) but it's okay. I think you can get it done, but no fucking sleep. But don't fucking sleep on Silva. It's going to be a bad night. I want to see you shake up the world. It's fun to see you just throw your shit everywhere. Yeah. All the people that come at uh, Izzy's Frosted Tips are going to fucking hate the fact that he went on Jake Paul's uh, podcast. (laughs) Not me. I'm just saying. There's a lot of haters out there. I don't think Izzy gives a shit, though, right? Why should he? Dude's on top of the world. Credit to the man. He's got a big fight coming up. Alan Juban offers advice to Benil Dariush, who, quote, shot himself in the foot by refusing title shot call. He says, I was telling everyone, I was in Bristol at ESPN. Benil was winning the fight, and I go, Benil wins his fight. He had better take that hot mic and call out a title shot, Yoban said, the fighter versus the writer. It better not go to the thank you, Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you to you, coach. Thank you to my wife. Shit, I think he's right about that. Sure enough, he did the he wins the fight, and that's all he did was that. Listen, man, I get it. Like, I just get it from both sides. Here's the thing. The sad truth of the matter is we are in a world where it's all about how many clicks you can get, how many views you can get, all that stuff. That's like that's just the world that we live in today, right? So it, it's just the truth, man. Like... If you call out somebody and they can clip that and they can make that a viral video and everyone wants to see the fight, you know, that's that's kind of how the game works nowadays. But at the same time, he's a respectful guy. He doesn't want to play into this whole new world bullshit of you got to have, yay, you know, a certain amount of likes and this, that, and the other. So I get that. I respect both sides of it. Um, but I don't think he's crazy for saying that. Like, if he would have grabbed the mic and called him out, that was before Volkanovski would have had the shot to walk out after the main event and, you know, get in there and face off one of those guys. Like, that's not a bad idea. Let's get into a couple more headlines here, and then we'll uh, wrap this bitch up. Jake Paul excited to be an underdog against Anderson Silva. You're not an underdog against Anderson Silva. Stop trying to make this an underdog story. Even my brother was like, are you sure you're ready for this? Bro, you're the favorite. Whatever. Be it you're the slight favorite. Whatever. You're the favorite. Like, what game are you trying to play here next? Are you going to say you hyperextended your elbow again after the fight? 
even if you do win, just so that it seems like you could have done it easier. Like, like let's not go into this game now, bro. You're here. You took the fight, right? So why are you talking about, oh, should you be here? No, well, you're here, right? You wanted to take the fight. That means you think you're ready. It doesn't matter what nobody else thinks. Are you ready? If you're ready, then you're in it, man. I don't I don't hate you. You know, I got nothing against you. Shit, if you win, whatever, man. It, I'm not, it's not going to be the end of my world. Just, you know, it is for a lot of other MMA fans. I don't get that. But because that doesn't disparage what Anderson Silva's done. Anderson Silva beating Chael Sonnen, beating uh, Forrest Griffin, beating Vitor Belfort with that front kick to the face. None of that gets erased because Jake Paul beat him when he was 47 in a boxing match, in a fight that is not MMA. None of that gets erased. So, again, I have nothing against Jake because of that. Like, maybe if there was more, uh, you know, things on the line at stake, like Anderson Silva's legacy gets ruined and it screws up MMA, maybe. I'd be, I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'd hate him a little more, but I got no reason to hate the guy. And I mean, neither should you guys. Anthony Smith, Hamzat Shemaev should, should move to middleweight for bigger fights. Really? Because I feel like welterweight's more stacked. Let's see what Anthony Smith has to say. I think, honestly, I think he should go to middleweight because he's only getting older. He's still a pretty young guy. He's only going to continue to get bigger. And by taking that off his plate, he could grow technically and athletically so much faster without having to suck his body down. True. Anthony Smith says, what happens is you start to train, you get in some of these camps and you're training all the time and your body wants to grow. It wants to be healthy. It wants to take in more fuel. Your body wants to adapt what it's doing. If you're also sucking yourself down and stopping that process, pause. <laughs> you're just hurting yourself. I'm such a child. Did you see the wrestling match between Shemaev and Hermanson? Smith said. Did you see the size of that goddamn guy? That is true. Hamzat's size shocked me. He was in there with a middleweight. He looked way bigger than him. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure he gets into what he said in the headline that there's better. Okay, let's see. There's better fights from at 85. I think his name value means more at 85 right now. There's crazy superstars at 70. 85 could use a couple. See, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to argue. But I guess he's saying it too. It's crazy how headlines can be so misleading. But yeah, 170, there's better fights. But I think Anthony Smith, who's a very smart guy himself, as an analyst and a fighter, he makes a good point. Like, if he doesn't have to worry about sucking himself down, which has proven to be an issue, you know, because he didn't make weight in the last fight, evidently it's an issue for him. If he could just focus on his technique and not sucking himself down and, you know, and staying in a weight where he's comfortable, I think that could really help him out. I really do. Sean O'Malley fires back at critics calling win over Peoriana robbery. You wanted me to lose in the first place. He says, woke up this morning ranked number one in the world. Shit ain't photoshopped. <laughs> it does feel good. It's crazy. It would have lost the fight. People would have laughed. If I would have lost the fight, people would have put a lot more respect on my name. Damn, he lost to that motherfucker. Good. Now it's like he won. He won. You got to be shitting me. Man, again, was it a close fight? For me, it was. Like, I don't know if that was a robbery, per se. Like, would you guys categorize that as a robbery? I'm really interested in seeing what you have to say about that. All right, man, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Um, we talked about UFC 280. 
We talked about UFC Vegas, whatever number it is, 60-something, uh, Arnold Allen versus um, Calvin Cater. We talked about Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva, wrapped up with some MMA news. Again, Talk at MMA will be back. Just the podcast. The channel will still be here with everything else. That was my dog that just jumped off my bed. But the podcast will be here. The podcast will be improved. And uh, again, man, we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Um, thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And uh, we're going to bring you guys the best content we can.